Welcome one and all, welcome one and all to the Southern Michigan Paranormal's Paranormal Show, or as we call it, the SMP Paranormal Show for short. And you are listening to us right here Sunday night, as always, on Unrestricted Radio. Do yourself a favor and go to unrestrictedradio.com and download the app. Man, it's free, okay? Chicks, guys, gals, who whatever you are out there, however you identify, go check it out, man. Uh, we're playing music and shows and things that other, you know, regular radio stations do not do. This is what we do. Uh, a lot of our format is local here to uh, southwest Michigan, uh, but we go beyond. I mean, we're reaching the world. Uh, last I heard, uh, being hooked up through Reverb Nation, folks, we're reaching people all over the globe. And, and, and we're we're happy to be exclusive here Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Tell your friends. Got a great guest with us on the SMP show uh, this round. I, I think all my guests are great, but I've been reading in a little bit on on this gentleman's information, and and I'm I'm interested. You know, I'm really interested to, to hear what he what he has to say. I've interviewed other demonologist people in the past on the show because we've been doing podcasts. Oh, geez, since 2008, uh, with a couple of breaks here and there. But uh, I've got with me uh, Nathaniel Gillis. Uh, Nathaniel is a religious demonologist and author. Uh, after living in a haunted house, Nathaniel spent 20 years researching it uh, from what he encountered. Nathaniel is the founder. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get through this, okay? He is the founder of the pre, okay, pre-ternatural, mm-hmm. pre-ternatural, yes. epiphenomenal, <laughs> epiphenomenal. Wow, say this you when gotta, you're not drinking. Oh, my God. Philosophy. I've been okay. trying to take that out of my bio forever because even like sometimes it's my own bio and sometimes I stumble over it. I'm like, what, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we just call it the, P- the PEP. Yeah. PEP yeah. for sure. That'll work. That'll and, work. Uh, <laughs> Nathaniel has sought uh, to redefine the nature of haunting phenomena, which I think uh, that's something that we're kind of doing. Shane and I are kind of doing a little bit with our group when we, when we operate mm-hmm. now. Ghosts and High Strangeness, he's often quoted for his concept of uh, the demonic. Uh, the reason they are playing by different rules is because they are playing a different game. And I couldn't agree uh, more with some of the dark, I will say, entities that I've encountered. I won't say the D word because I don't mm-hmm. think that I've yet to experience that. But uh, Nathaniel, welcome to the SMP Paranormal Show. We're, we're happy to have you. And of course, uh, co-host Shane Feek, our scientist engineer in the Southern Michigan Paranormals and a podcast uh, host of his own. Guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor to be here. I'm honored to have you. As I said, we, we've been on a roll with this, and, and mm-hmm. I always want to give Michelle Freed, whether she likes it or not, a shout-out. because she's, she's amazing. Great, amazing lady, and she's finding great people. She's closer than you think. I mean, we're in Kalamazoo. She's, you know, over in Chicago. I won't give out her address. I won't give out your address, Michelle, I promise. Uh, but she's close. <laughs> For a small donation, we'll think about it. Correct. It's oh. <laughs> a good way to raise money for charity. There we go. Sorry, Michelle. No, I'm kidding. No, but she does a great job, and you're just one of many, you know, uh, people mm-hmm. that she's bringing to the table for us. And yeah. as I said, I'm I'm really interested in in what you have to tell us. Um, you know, I there's another uh, tag on here, Nathaniel, that you know that you definitely wanted to talk mm-hmm. about your research of the devil and demons. Uh, it also mm-hmm. has this thing added to it, which really blew my mind. Um, that you believe there's a connection to implants found in people who have been abducted by aliens or the soul hunter himself, the molters. Okay. I mean, you know, when you read stuff like that, you're like, damn, I, I got to hear what this guy has to say. Well, it's, it's a very dark, very, very, very dark and sinister aspect of it. Um, 
you know, I'm not, I know that wasn't one of the questions, but yeah, you're right. It's a very right. troubling phenomenon. And once we dive into it, you'll start to see that um, we've been lied to and hoodwinked. And so it's, and, and one aspect of it, it's exciting. The other half of it, it's like, oh my God, this is apocalyptic. Right, hmm. right. Interesting. And, and that- and, and the lied and hoodwink part, you know, I mean, it, it's happened on so many different levels of different things. So mm-hmm. it's not yep. like that's an impossibility. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I, I guess, you know, we'll start out, the, you know, I kind of read off, you know, you living in a haunted house. Let's start from the beginning and how this started for you as a, as a young person and, and where it went from there. Well, you know what? My parents moved into a haunted house when I was eight years old. And uh, so from from the very first onset, my very like my the the open house even that was when I encountered the entity originally it had manifested to me as the full-bodied apparition of a six-year-old girl she had long flowing black hair she looked like an angel truthfully you know she's beautiful oh my god gorgeous little princess she was pale in complexion she was wearing a linen dress that looked to me to have been made during the turn of the century and uh, from that moment forward we moved into the house, the entity would mutate. And uh, by by mutating, I mean that it would change. It would, it would show up as a smoky apparition sometimes. Um, it would kind of weave its way. There's my camera. I, I talk with my hands and I'll be over here. You guys can't see it. You're like, okay. Yeah, it would weave <laughs> its good. way. There we go. It would weave its way into my room at nighttime and it would kind of ball up in a cloud in the corner of the room. Um, you know, so, so that was my introduction, my confrontation with this phenomenon. And so the older I got, the more I wanted to understand it for what it was and not just what my Christian tradition in which I grew up in told me it was. Because, you know, truthfully, when I look back at it now, my experiences did not fit in the blueprint of any kind of religious system that I was aware of at the time. So I was forced to stretch myself into new dimensions of thought. And uh, that's really what brings me here today. That was my confrontation. It was a very early age. And I hear so, I, so you said that she was a, a, a young girl with long hair. Was beautiful. She, was she yeah. one of the black-eyed children where she no, didn't have the pupils no. like normal? Oh. No, no. She was. She looked to be, honestly, I thought she was a neighborhood kid. That okay. was my question to my father. You know, I said, you know, sure. I said, Dad, I said, evidently, um, maybe a neighborhood kid got in the house when the doors were unlocked. I had no idea. You know, I had oh, no okay. from yeah, some of sure. her friends. Um, but it mutated, it evolved into something that was uh, very, very apocalyptic in the sense that it was traumatizing. I mean, whenever it would enter my room at night, it would make me feel like I was the smallest particle ever. It would just fill up everything. And, uh, you know, that's that's how I, I don't want to sound like uh, Bane where I was molded by the darkness or anything like that. <laughs> but I very much was, you know, um, encountering it at a, at a young age. No, no, I don't think you're off mark by, you know, I guess going in that direction because these life events for many of us in paranormal, you know, things happen to me when I was younger and it molds mm-hmm. you, it molds you into yeah. a certain way mm-hmm. until, until you really embrace it. You know, I took years to really kind of embrace this on, on a different level, but still, you know, like you said, that stuff sticks with you and you're, you're to coin the yeah. phrase and use, you know, use the term, you're kind of haunted by, by this stuff once it happens. And I love you bringing up the belief part of that too, because one of the bigger things we do in the paranormal folks is it, we strive to constantly leave our belief system over on the shelf because you, you, I always feel even, even when you're younger, 
mm-hmm. for you to recognize that awful early, man, I respect that. Uh, your maturity level was there, it, sure. you know, to understand that if I'm going to try to look into this and explain it, I can't mm-hmm. have that, you know, clouding my yeah. mind and directing right. my mind in certain directions. Uh, yeah. And I, unfortunately, a lot of cases I've worked, uh, Shane, you know, has come across this and things too, that, you know, some people allow that to, you know, uh, What's the term I'm looking for here, Shane? I think it kind of uh, uh, contaminates the, the yeah. line of investigation and in your thinking, and then mm-hmm. you're not able to see anything but bad or evil in anything. You know? Right, and everything's a demon. Yeah, everything, you know? yeah, everything's a demon. Yeah, yeah. Nonsense. <laughs> when we you all guys know that, what I'm talking about, yeah. Right, and yeah. we all know that doesn't happen until you get married. So, Oh, yeah. And the succubus right. arrives. Wait yes, a yes. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that. Well, would be they a start thing. out that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, then they change. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a. It was such a unique time for me, and a lot of people. You know, I, I did a lot of shows in the last two years. People always ask me, you know, what what was it like being alone during those moments? And it forced me to cope with it. I had to live with it. You know what I mean? I had to literally go to bed with it at night. I had to take a shower with its presence. It had to be, it was a very strange reality. Um, there was a period of time where I would have the same nightmare every night. It was black and white. And uh, it was literally somebody, it was a young boy, not a young boy, he maybe about mid 20, uh, but he would always kill himself. He would put a gun in his mouth, pull the trigger. I would wake up in a cold sweat and the entity would be in, the, in my room and I couldn't see it, you know, but I knew it was there. And so I was forced to not only acknowledge its presence, but to kind of grow into a, an independency, to grow into an immunity with it there. And I literally, did, I, I had to treat it like it was a language system, that it was my responsibility to interpret and understand. Not to say that I did at all, but it was, um, it helped me cope with it more. Right. Sure. Well, how, how did this, uh, I mean, going into, let's say, like uh, high school and things, uh, how did this affect you as you were going along, you know, as you were growing up? How did this? Deeply, deeply, because I was growing into to gifts and things. So so I would, I guess I'm what people call like a, a sensitive or an empath or, you know, there's a lot of different yeah. terminologies for it. And so um, I would always have a soft spot for people who were suffering from suicidal thoughts, suicidal ideations, depression. And I didn't know why. I didn't know why, but I could read them easier. So if I was sitting next to them at a restaurant or a bar or anywhere, I could connect to them. I could feel what they were feeling and stuff. And so it was difficult um, understanding that aspect of my calling, but I think it plays right into why I was targeted by the entity because I believe that entity itself was either someone who had committed suicide or it was an entity trying to get me to do the same. And uh, so that that really helped me understand the mentality, the emotions, the attachments. That and, and truthfully, guys, this time of my life, I'm I'm going to be 33 here uh, in, in August, and it's really helped me help others. So I, I wouldn't trade what I've been through for the world. That's great. Uh, yeah. But it was it was it was a difficult time. Yeah, that that aspect's great. You know, that's what I asked of my sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Shane's heard this story a million times. But I kept asking, what do you want me to do with this? You know, uh, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to embrace it for the longest time. And I started seeing yeah. more and more things. And, you know, 
I'm sure you could, uh, you know, go along with this, Nathaniel, that <laughs> you kind of start questioning your sanity when you're, you're, you yeah. know, you're reading people or you're sensitive to stuff or you're hearing things and seeing things and nobody else is seeing it. Correct. Um, you know, you don't know what to think of yourself. And, uh, yeah. not, I, I think because I questioned whether or not I was insane kind of proved maybe I wasn't, <laughs> but Shane, yeah, right. long enough, I have moments, you know? Yeah. He gets out there, but I do. I, I think do. we all do brother. I think we all do, but I think that's also another symptom of this phenomenon. I believe it likes to gaslight, gaslight experiencers. Right. Um, right. To question ourselves, you know, it's it's very troubling. But, you know, my research right now is centered uh, around the UFO abduction phenomenon and the links that it has to ancient demonology, understanding it for what it is, working with victims of incubi who are being impregnated by the entity hmm. and the child's gone. And so, you know, it's it's very it's a very dark subject, but it has to be talked about because a lot of these individuals, they have no advocacy in the field because their experiences are so alien to even alien experiences <laughs> that uh, they don't know who to go to about it. And so right now my research is centered around the incubi phenomenon and how it relates to the UFO abduction experience. Okay. So you're saying they actually come down mate in some manner and then yes. the the ufo slides in does a pickup and they got a hybrid yes. yes now that is that's that's the side of the ufo abduction phenomenon now on the demonological side of it we have the incubi phenomenon yeah. so so if we're going to get into the incubus i mean we're dealing with entities that is they're, they're not seeking pleasure they're not seeking eroticism they're seeking pregnancy father mm -hmm. sinestroy of amino uh franciscan priest was collecting semen samples Okay. It's the same phenomenon, but it's, it's, we're fighting on different fronts. And I think that uh, both ufology and religion has to sit down and make somewhat of a compromise and say, maybe we need to quit being dogmatic about what our research is saying. Maybe we're not dealing with aliens. Maybe we're dealing with a species that's using us to self-replicate. Sure. It seems strange that I'm just my mind is going here yep. that like that you would have you would need a human what? you know sperm to create a you know other dimensional type entity unless or, they're formerly human right I guess I mean I don't know how they work I don't have one so <laughs> it's it's interesting you know um cuz my my perspective uh regarding demons and what they are they were always disincarnate consciousness even the exorcistic rite in Numbers 19 and 11 was designed to cleanse someone from corpse pollution. So possession itself was always when consciousness steps into a body and they begin to demonstrate memory that doesn't belong to them. And that's, that's where my research is. But um, yeah, so they're, they're very much alike. We are dealing with entities that will conform themselves to the memory and belief system of the victim, which sure. is troubling, troubling and then manipulate them into intercourse and at the moment of conception implant someone else's seed in them. Hmm. And uh, it's very interesting. I won't like pig trail, but that's where yeah. I'm at right now in my research. So you're, you're not seeing them as fallen angels. They are- No, not at all. Okay. Well, yeah, because the etymology is not there. See, I grew up in Christianity and uh, my dad, my dad's a Bible scholar. So I grew up sure. around scholars. And so when we get into the linguistics of it, Malachim, well, from what the, the Hebrews got the word 
for angel, it, it means deceased ancestors. That's what it was prior to then incorporating it in the religion. Yeah. That's why in the New Testament, when Peter died, or at least his family thought he died, they saw an apparition of Peter. Okay. And they said it must be his angel. No. Hmm. They thought it was what, right? Malachim, yeah. it's his ghost. And so they, they had that belief system, and it's been demonstrated throughout biblical antiquity. I never knew about it because I was stuck in that mentality of fundamentalist, dogmatist uh, nature. And I never was able to understand it until I learned, okay, me. So, so once we look through that lens, when we go through the Bible, it makes a lot more sense as to why Paul said, don't bow down to me, for I am to a man. And then John the Revelator bows down to an angel, sure. and the angel says the very, very same thing. Same thing. So yep. I'll, I'll shut up. But it's fascinating. No, it's, uh, no I don't want you to we're, shut we're up. Here, <laughs> we're here to learn. learn. That's why you're here. You know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I love the you know it, where you went with that, you know, with the Jewish understanding, too, because I have been going along in my own thought uh, of mind. You know, that's exactly what a lot of, let's say, our guardian, if you believe in guardian right. angels, may be. These may be family members or ancestors who are, are given this gift that they're able to watch over, guide. Uh, mm. And I always ask people, I said, well, I'm not telling you that's exactly what it is because I have no right. damn clue. I have right. been to the right. other side. But to me, that would seem sensible. To me, it seems like it'd be a great thing. And how beautiful is that? You know, uh, who would want to? Be able to watch over their family, see their great grandkids, and just kind of be still be part because I still I believe yeah. in life after death, you know. So, and, and I don't think it happens in certain ways or situations, right? Situations or restrained ways uh, that everybody wants to believe because everybody's generalizing that now. That's why all the TV shows are still popular again because yeah. they all put it in that one lens. And I keep thinking, man, there's more to it than just just this. You know? And they'll they'll make it so. I right. mean, yeah. like even the Catholic tradition saying that crosses, you know, uh, intimidate them. Well, okay, well, let's look at uh, Carmen Snedeker's case in the haunting of Connecticut. She said the entity wouldn't go into one room because I had a crucifix on the doorframe. Next thing you know, the darn thing took the crucifix off the doorframe. Uh, there we go. How about that philosophical conundrum? If it doesn't have the power to go in because of it, how can it just remove it and then go in? So yeah. we're missing something. Right. I mean, at least Maybe my he's got friends that aren't quite right so. in high places. Well, it's it's human, it's, it's human identifiers. Yeah. And, and be, what I mean yeah. by that, folks, is, you know, we're we're taking things that we identify that we think emulate yeah. all pure light and good, you know. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think that's been the mistake with humankind from day one. Yeah. You know, I'm not to, to change the show, but just to kind of give you an idea, Nathaniel, where I think sometimes on this this subject, too. And then mm -hmm. I'm really going to throw some questions at you, my friend. Cool, cool, cool. Um, is, is I'm of a thought, you know, that to put Christianity in a place uh, that you have to ask yourself, like, listen, we were in existence thousands of years mm -hmm. before that popped up, before right, that was right. known, before God started speaking, you know, supposedly sp mm -hmm. speaking to anybody, written record. And my thing is, is look, I'm I'm Christian in my background too. I believe in God. I I believe there's darkness out there. I'm not going to bore everybody with my spirituality, but I walk a very careful line because I have encountered some things that I felt were dark. I wasn't quite sure what they were, and I wasn't going to use the D word, but mm -hmm. I was not going. As I said, I was not going to use human identifiers to tell right. people in their house when they have an issue because I don't do any removal. I go there just right. to show 
you're actually having some sort of paranormal thing. Yeah, happen. we're looking for yep. the evidence, but we don't. And that's we don't have the that's solution. huge. That's yeah, huge. And, that's important. And you, know, and you know this because you're studying this that people go in there and start saying, use the stones, use the the sage, yeah. go through holy water. And I'm telling everybody, hey man, yeah, yep. you're gonna research, get a surprise. Research this and get some good people involved first before you just start taking everybody's, you know, work yep. for this because it it can be adverse in its effect. Uh, not work at all, and like you said, you think or it's supposed worse. to work. Then it goes in there and takes the cross off the wall. You're just like, well, then what? What was the purpose of even putting it up? There? Oh my God, it's you know that right there is that's major. You know, I mean, I uh, to to go down that point real quick. I don't believe they're you. They are using amulets like we are. Oh no, no, they're not. They're, they're safety identifiers for us because we gotta have yeah. something. See, I picture it's, it as it's like crazy. Yeah, yeah, I picture it as like maybe they briefly you know, take over the body of a person just so that they could take the cross off and then, you know, blank their brain mind. So they don't remember they even did it. I mean, the person that had the cross may have actually been the one that took it off, but has no memory of it. Yeah. That influencing. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's a very good point because it's, uh, you know, it's them leaning on someone, that person taking it off and they didn't do it. They inspired it, but they didn't really do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I had a, a case where I've been, and I'm still working with the gentleman, but he's, uh, his father was a renowned remote viewer. And, uh, he said that whenever his dad would leave his body, he would meet his guides. Then when he come, but when he would come back into his body, they would carve amulets on his chest. I have pictures of them, yeah. but the, an, the amulets they have on his chest though, one was an Egyptian hier- hieroglyph. This is very interesting because they're interreligious here. That's why I think that they're using amulets to, against us in a different way than we are using amulets against them. So that, you know, they're interreligious again. So they had an Egyptian hieroglyph. They had the Star of David and the cross. Now, those are completely exclusive religiously. You will not have a Jew going out mm-hmm. there using the cross. I mean, you may if he's a Christian, but you won't have an Orthodox Jew like from Brooklyn. Right. doing that. Right. He doesn't believe in it. You, it. Likewise, you don't have a Christian going out there using the Star of David because it's a completely separate and of course you're not going to have an egyptian coming out there using both of those right? right but they're using them and so i think again i mean it's like when i got those pictures i i i stayed up man it grieved me so much i had stayed up for two days because i could not wrap my mind around us demonology for three four five thousand years to be thinking one way crosses this, that, this, employ this, don't employ that, holy water here and all that. And then for them to do this, it was almost like, oh my God, we have no clue. None. Yeah. Because they're using it for reasons that we're not even aware of. And so, so it really, and what's fascinating about that too, is how that it did not manifest on his skin until his soul crawled back into his body. Which means if we go back into biblical antiquity, leprosy, was not the modern Hansen's disease. Rabbis speak of leprosy being a spiritual condition first. Hmm. See where I'm going? Yeah, okay. And that it manifests as a skin condition second. So again, what I do believe we're dealing with here are what I call the soul hunters um, in, in UFO abduction phenomenon even, where they will pull the soul out of the body, like in uh, Betty Lucas' case. Oh, her yeah. husband watched her. And then when she got back into her body, her body begins to manifest skin conditions. And that is so a what, crazy story if anybody's wearing oh it. Oh, my God. Read it. That's nutty. It's, it's consistent with their pathology. 
but my God, it, it, it makes you uh, it makes you wonder about a lot. I mean, anytime I mean, look, OK, look what they said, for instance. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do, you, do you think, Nathaniel, that like, you know, the symbols being put on the body that way? Do you think that maybe I'm going to say them because I don't know what else to refer to? Yeah. Do you think they used this in, in such a fashion that it was uh, to hope the congregate fear? Because those are our identifiers, again, as I just alluded to, something that we pay attention to. And it's like to get us thinking or to make us very afraid. You know, it's almost like the head on the well, spike in front of my castle thing. Like, you mess with me, here's what happens. Yeah, hmm. so the symbology here is is very interesting. To answer your question, I don't believe that's the case because we don't understand what it means. Right. Uh, if we go back to Sinistari's work, the great demonologist is a, a priest. He was peeling back the eyelids of incubi victims and seeing symbols they carved underneath them. So whatever they're doing to us and their victims, hmm. we have a divine responsibility to understand um, because they're not playing by our rules. I mean, forget yeah. demonology. They're eclipsing that. They're, they're, it's, it's almost as if we're living in three different dimensions. We use amulets to get divine influence. They're in this dimension using amulets as well. So, oh man, this is getting good. Who, I'm sorry, who are they trying to influence? What right. kind of levers are they pulling in this dimension? Because I think in the 21st century, at least in my research, we're starting to understand it more. We're starting to realize that, okay, uh, maybe um, dogmatism has aborted a lot of our revelations in the name of religion. Yeah. Because I don't um, think people are really affected by amulets much. I mean, not much. I mean, you think they hold something up to you and you're like, okay, but evidently it affects the other side significantly or yeah, we wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's, it's like the a, it's, it's the it's the placebo effect, you know. Yeah, they, mm -hmm. if they feel it does something for them, obviously right. they're going to find sure. signs, you know, to show that it works. When obviously it probably doesn't. That's just like witchcraft for me. Yeah, you know, it's they fascinating. Do all, yep. They do all yeah. these spells and money spells, and then the people I know that were doing it still were poor. So obviously <laughs> your stuff isn't working. Right, so you're not doing, doing it right. So yeah. I, you know that's my point. It's just this mind thing. Yeah, and it's very troubling too because I agree with you. And so that no understanding that aspect of it, why are they marking people? Like like when Sinestro yeah, of Amino, he was finding symbols in their private parts. And, and what's most interesting to me too is that the uh, the areas of the body they were placing the symbols <laughs> was all right. Yeah, it was underneath the eyelids, it's in the privates, underneath their armpits, but it was always according to their fashion of the day because they wouldn't have normally shown those body parts. Right, right. Right? And so just like that, they've evolved. Their pathology and, and victimology has mutated throughout the years. But I do believe, especially with the incubi phenomenon, that they're marking uh, their victims in the sense of branding them. And so, so whenever I start, whenever I do a lecture, whenever I do an interview talking about these entities, we have to realize, number one, they have the sexual pathology of a serial killer. The incubus does. We, we, we're talking about individuals that uh, will bite. They will manipulate. They will molest. They will pillage. They will carve things in the skin. I did this person. I won't, you know, whatever. Yeah. They'll, they'll do all of these sorts of things. And then at the very end, they will mark the body. And <clears throat> I can't help but believe that they're marking the body to tell others who that in, that individual belongs to in their world. So do they seem to be gender specific? Like yes. the incubus goes after the females, the succubus goes after the male, 
yes. you don't see the other cross. I mean, well, <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. So there have been cases like one time in the 17th century, you have a Dibbet case or the Dibbet case in uh, Jewish folklore um, where a, a I'm just going to say a teenager. So I don't know how far I can go with this. But he was a teenager and he was he was in an apple orchard with his father. And his father said, okay, I want you to pick this row of apples here, these trees and everything. I'm going to go over there and we'll meet up at the end of the day. And he's uh, he, he gets attacked by one of these entities. Now, I wouldn't say this an incubus, even though it was a male spirit. Um, this individual was a pedophile in real life. And after he performed the act, he had actually possessed the young boy. The next day, his father took him to a Kabbalistic exorcist. The Kabbalistic exorcist is interrogating this entity. And the man says, he says, I was a pedophile in real life. And he said, he said, uh, okay, he said, then why, why would you choose him? And this gets back into the victimology. He says, well, he said, it was underneath that very tree that I performed my first act of pedophilia. Mm -hmm. So what we're dealing with here is their victimology. Um, it, it doesn't really change. Um, so, but, but I don't think that's an incubus, right? So an incubus would be a spirit that appears to a female in the image of a male. Usually yeah. it's a husband, an ex-husband, yeah. yep. yep. or a lover. Mm -hmm. And it's it's for the purpose of impregnation. I've, I have women right now that I'm talking to all across the world who have been um, in contact with an incubus for lifetimes now, or a lifetime. But when they got a hysterectomy, the entity wants nothing to do with them. Hmm. It's not about, well, it's not about There's one way right. to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. There is, you know, it's fascinating, but it, it falls right into the behavior pattern of the UFO abduction phenomenon. That's crazy. And, and I want to go back to something you said earlier, you know, where uh, there needs to be there needs to be a voice, you know, out here uh, for the people going through this and, and this type of thing. Um, you know, I, I'm in agreement with that because it's it's still a very controversial type of thing. I mean, I know it is because you have so many people just in anything in the paranormal. Whether it be cryptid, demonology, spirits, ghosts, doesn't matter. There's always the middle line and there's always the right and the left, you know, or maybe some right. people in between. But I know this is a tough one. And as I said, I'm not, I myself, I'm not a particular <clears throat> believer in, in, in a lot of different things. But at the same time, again, I, I don't want to share stuff to try to always make, you know, some of the interview about me. But encountering some of the dark things that I've encountered, <clears throat> I don't, you know, I haven't had a, a true on demonic experience that I believe. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I will say I, I came up against something that was dark at, at two different locations. And like you, I've had, I had a reoccurring dream where this darkness, this evil was attacking me in a dream. And you're not going to tell me it wasn't real because I know damn what? well it was trying to get to me <laughs> while I was sleeping. And mm -hmm. so, um, long windedly where I'm going with this is that I'm glad people like you are, doing what you believe in, because, it, you know, it, I think it, you're helping others. You know, if there's yeah, anything you're doing in this work and you're out here helping other people, that's what it's about. And w whether whether people believe it or not doesn't make it not exist. You know, it's the right. same ghost. People, I, I love Mark yeah. Twain saying that most people who don't believe in ghosts because they've never seen one. So, <laughs> you know, same thing with this. I, I'm not going to no, say I don't thing. believe in demons. Yeah. I'm just, I'm skeptical still, because as I've told people, I, I'm not trying to ask for bad things to happen to me, but mm -hmm. I, I, I still need the experience in order, in order to share the information and say, well, here's what I think now, because I've actually had this experience or I've had this run in, right. you know, sure. I, 
And um, I, I just wanted to thank you, like I said, for you making that point that there still needs to be people like you out here who are operating mm-hmm. in the light and you're doing what you think is right. And you're trying to help mm-hmm. people who think they're having these experiences. And obviously there's something more than, you know, just simple, like you said, simplify yes. spirituality or that right. one lens that we've all been kind of run into, even though it's yeah. different, different religions, they all kind of have that same stop sign. When you yeah, it's a, it's a good point. It's a good point, you know, and these individuals need advocacy. They don't need to be told they're crazy. I mean, I'm, I, even if you get into the, the literature and the UFO abduction phenomenon, we're talking about people who are being pulled out, like, like women who are being told, like, uh, like, like Dr. Carla Turner had, an abductee who was told by Jesus, not the Hebrew rabbi Jesus, but the Swedish Presbyterian form of Jesus, <laughs> right? Because that's what she and her right. mind imagine him to be. Right. This right. gets very interesting. And so it, 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 it manipulated her. It stepped into a role that she gave them. And then it held his hand out and said, all seed is mine. Really? So let's put that in perspective. If you have a son, what that entity is telling you, it's mine too. If you have a daughter, that's, I got chills. That's what he's seen. Matter of fact, that same woman, this is what we're dealing with here, guys. It's going to get very dark, but we have to talk about it. The same woman, two months after that abduction, was pregnant. Three, four months after the abduction, the baby dies in the womb. She's abducted again. They give her a hybrid, and she's crying her eyes out to Dr. Carla Turner. She says, I have no doubt in the mind that the hybrid baby I was holding had the consciousness of the baby that died in my womb. That's wild. Hmm. He said, all see this mind. What are we dealing with here? We're not dealing with, I mean, we're, this is darker than any midnight imagination. Sure. We cannot fathom. It's, it's darker than, than anything. And mm-hmm. so, so like right now I have a young lady that just contacted me um, the other day after hearing my, one of my shows. And she said, I had an entity just like that. She said, it appeared to me as a man with long fingers. She said, all of your children will be mine. So again, if we're going to understand these entities, we have to go to Genesis 6. We have to realize that it said they they gave, they increased the birth rate of children. Hmm. Why? Matter of fact, the, the amazing yeah. part of that too is like I said, you know, when you when you refer back to the Bible, you know, in yeah. times that people were writing these these letters, these secondhand accounts and and mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty open about what the Bible is. It's written by man. Let's right. everybody be clear. Um yeah. But it's still interesting, though, that long ago, this mm-hmm. was still happening. This is already happening. This is yes. a new thing. These things have been Not happening probably forever and a day. Because uh, yeah. if you look at other cultures, even things outside of Christianity, and I've mm-hmm. looked at some of these, some of the things you're describing are, are just the same things like the you know the Mayans, Aztecs, the Toltecs. Yes. A bunch of them went through the same stuff. Every exactly culture right. has, has gone through this. So you're hitting right on top of right. So you can't dismiss all that when, when they're separated and everybody's having you the can't. same kind of thing. Different names, different kinds of stories, but then the same actions. Behavioral patterns and sexual pathology. Right. It's a thematic right. element that links every narrative right. together. And so when people, some people that I've done shows with, uh, not, not even people on shows, just random people that would like comment on my, my, my uh, shows on YouTube and stuff. You'll see how deep their research is. 
as soon as they say, well, that's just the Bible. What about Mesopotamia? Come out. That's where they got their narrative from. Yeah. That, did, that didn't originate in Hebrew consciousness. That came from the bedrock of the Mesopotamian flood myth. Well, what does that say about these entities? Well, it says they're ghosts who are looking for bodies again. And so that's why it's important. Like, if, okay, if we're going to go in that direction and say, okay, it's all in Mesopotamia. And if it's not in Mesopotamia, then we don't want to hear about it. Well, let's go to the understanding of the flood epic. And the Apocryphon of John, it's, a, and it's, it's an Egyptian manuscript. It was preserved by Egyptian Christian monks, but it was precisely about that time in history when these entities manifested to our women. It said that they first manifested to them in the images of a husband or a lover. Ding dong, it's the incubus. Yep. Incredible. So do they have anything to do with the giants that they had talked yes. about? Okay. Yes, yep. Um, so so in, in the Apocrypha of John, it says that uh, they appeared to the women in the images of a lover or a husband. That's, their, that's them um, complementing uh, in, in our belief system, right? Stepping into a role sure. for us. Um, in my research, I've dealt with women who said that, uh, like, there was one woman in India that had been intimate with eight different men in her life, but the entity had manifested as all eight different men in different times because it was trying to look and see if she would be willing to have intercourse with them. It's the same sexual pathology. So it says that these entities first manifested to them in the images of their husbands. Then at the moment of conception, they stare deeply into the eyes of the female victim. That's a motif, motif from the UFO abduction phenomenon. Then it said that they reverse their apparitions to what they really look like. Now, the reason we need to understand why they did that is because in Mesopotamia, the Levant, everywhere in that part of the world, they had a belief. It was called an obstetric tradition. An obstetric is just a Fraser Crane word for fertility and childbearing. Here's why they did it. They believed that whatever man the woman was focused upon at the moment of conception, she will birth the material image of in her womb as a child. Why? Because we have apparitions that need bodies that look like them. Okay. They're disincarnate. That's why even if you get into the Dybbuk phenomenon in the 16th century, the word Dybbuk means the impregnating of the dead in the bodies of the living. It's the UFO abduction phenomenon. So it's, it's troubling to me because um, the sexual pathology is consistent through all of history. Matter of fact, in the medieval period, your demonologists called incubi larva. Hmm because they were producing an early form of life through the bodies of their victims. Sure. It's, it's the, the most disgusting aspect of this research, but somebody's got to do it, you know? We've got to get <laughs> it out. But, well, that's interesting. Um, we're going to take our first break, everybody. I got more to throw at Nathaniel. Well, we're not throwing anything at him, okay? Everybody, everybody <laughs> calm right. down. And, you know, as I said, uh, um, uh, I'm very interested in the, in this subject, and I have uh, some some more questions, especially the, okay. the giant thing that Shane threw out yep. there. I, there's so many things connected to this. I'm going to try to work it's, it all it's in. It's so everywhere, yeah. But uh, I want to thank uh, our sponsor, Henderson Castle, HendersonCastle.com. Our other uh, sponsors, Gun Barrel. You see me wearing the hat here in the video. Gun Barrel Coffee. You've had the rest. Drink the best. They're out of Batavia, Illinois, folks. Great guys. It's veteran-owned, veteran-run. Uh, they roast their own uh, coffee there, and Brian and Sal will take very good care of you. 
proceeds from sales from Gun Barrel Coffee, like other coffees do, that are themed like this, go to help veterans and many different veteran administrations uh, to keep our veterans uh, where they need to be. Um, also, uh, as you see me wearing the shirt, they're not an official sponsor, uh, but we are in talks. So Till Valhalla is a great project that also I wear the bracelet 22 a day. Unfortunately, we're losing 22 vets a day to suicide. That is a crazy astronomical amount. And, uh, you know, go over there, give them a look, get a couple of shirts. They've got great themed shirts, colors, sizes for everybody. And it does some good. It just doesn't go to you know, uh, stop the suicides. It's also supporting the families, the children, and, and there's a lot of different things connected to that. Uh, you know, it's kind of like along the lines, I know that they do a lot of work with Gary Sinise and what he does with uh, veterans as well. Um, so we're going to be back after this. Stay tuned. When you were here before, you couldn't look you in the eye. You're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry You float like a feather In a beautiful world I wish I was special You're so very special
Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. If you have ghosts, you have everything. If you have ghosts, you have everything. To the left is a part of my 
are back. We went absolutely nowhere. We sat here in the studio staring at each other. Uh, <laughs> we go nowhere. But for you, we were gone. You got to listen to some PSAs, some music. And again, I want to thank our sponsors, Henderson Castle, hendersoncastle.com. It's an 1895 bed and breakfast, folks, right here in downtown Kalamazoo, uh, built by Frank and Mary Henderson. And yours truly hosts the haunted ghost dinners there once a month, uh, historical ghost uh, dinners. And we're also going to be putting a new spin on this. We're going to have an historical ghost escape, if you will. So you're going to have to solve clues in order to survive the castle and get out. Hopefully the spirits and Frank and Mary are okay with this. Uh, this is something new we're going to try. But go to Henderson Castle, uh, look up their history, uh, and come visit us. And, of course, Gun Barrel Coffee. Uh, just can't say enough about the coffee. I'm not drinking any right now. Uh, I actually got my Punisher cup full of, you know, high C, you know, some vitamin C and whatnot. <laughs> Um, but I will be having some gun barrel coffee tonight, folks. And we got Nathaniel, uh, uh, Jay Gillis with us and he's a demonologist and a, a researcher. Uh, I probably wears many hats. I, I really am loving the hat that he's wearing tonight. And, uh, with us as always, Shane Feek, if not here in body, he's with us in spirit. Shane is a member of the Southern Michigan paranormals. And, uh, just want to get out there that in connection to this show, we have a paranormal group that's been going 14 years now. It's the Southern Michigan Paranormals. Uh, look us up on Facebook, and uh, you can see some interesting things, and we post a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, Shane has uh, designed some engineering uh, things to use when we do some ghost hunting now, and I'm going to feature him on a show, show very soon, and we're going to talk about that device. But let's get back to Nathaniel because, I mean, he and, and Nathaniel, don't be afraid to – you know, when you say where, how far can we go with this? You know, we're we're under no restriction here. Okay. If you okay. got to get the word out, and you got to use words, and you got to, you know, use them. Use okay. them. This is an adult. I didn't know. You know, sometimes yeah. I, I yeah. So other shows. No, are you're different, you're safe, so my friend. Kind of... Um, let me just jump right into this. I know we 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 we've blanketed a lot before we kind of yep. did the steps, but but I'm okay with that. You know, you covered yep. a lot of stuff. Uh, what to, what up to the date? Now, I get asked this about paranormal cases, you know, what's mm -hmm. our scariest. What has been your most intense situation, your most intense case? It's a murder case, and I didn't even know it was a murder case till I got there. Um, the lady had the sister. Okay, there was, it was a family murder. The mom, the mother was murdered by the daughter and her friend. Mm. Oh, geez. And one night I was out to dinner, and uh, I just get a message on Facebook. And it just said, hey, listen, you know, could you come to our house and say a prayer? Our family is really going through something. And so it's funny because my dad's a pastor of a church. And I thought she probably thought I was my dad. So I, you know, I thought, well, I didn't know what to think, honestly. So I just said, okay, you know, what's been going on, you know, because I'm a paranormal guy. So I'm, I'm automatically thinking like, okay, this is a paranormal case. She wasn't coming to me for that. She, she, you know, they just had a murder in the house and they needed prayer. So next thing I know, she's like, "Oh, by the way, um, there is an entity in our house. We've been seeing shadow figures prior to the murder and afterwards." And I was actually talking to the sister of the husband. So the wife had died. He's he was disabled, and so I'm talking to the sister that was in town to help the family grieve and kind of take care of her brother while he, you know, he had surgery and everything because he was also stabbed. So I didn't know what had happened 
until I got there. But when I got in there, I noticed that there was a piece of carpet they had cut out on the floor. And I'm talking to the husband and the husband said that, uh, he said, you know, he said, my daughter has always been a good kid. She's very been very obedient. Um, never had any issues with her. He said, but there was a time in her life where she began to separate herself from the family. And she was like a recluse in a room. And I said, okay. And she said, uh, she began to hang out with this 15 year old who was like a foot taller than she was. And, um, and uh, a very independent girl, this, this other girl was. And he said, you know, he said, I set my daughter down one day and I said, I don't think that this, this girl you've been hanging with is a good influence on you. I see things changing in you, the way you're respecting us and, and just the way you've been like a recluse and basically been staying away from your family. And she said, so I don't, he's like, so I don't, I don't want you to hang out with her anymore. She goes, okay, fine. So he said a month goes by. He said, one night me and my wife are watching television. It's like two in the morning. And he said, I look out the window because I, I noticed something moving. And he said, as my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I realized it's that 15-year-old girl staring at us through the window. Hmm. And he's like, so that really creeped me out. And he said, next thing I know, you know, we see shadow figures in the home, um, pops of light, you know, boop. It would just be a flicker or an orb flow floating by. And he said, just things got really, really weird. He said, then one night, he said, it was a school night. He said, it was about three o'clock in the morning. He said, my daughter comes walking down the stairs, slinking down the stairs. She opens the front door. And he said, before I even realized it, there's the 15-year-old girl with a knife in one hand and stub-nosed scissors in the other. And he said, as she's stabbing my family, there is a male guttural voice coming out of her laughing. So um, the wife, she, uh, she didn't survive it. The husband, um, he went into surgery. Thankfully, they, they were able to save him. But uh, they had, I guess the knife had broken a tip off. They broke a t she broke a tip off the knife in him. And they didn't get it. So they sewed them back up and they got infected. They had to reopen it back up again, take it up. That's when I come into the picture and I had no idea this had ever happened, you know? So I'm in the house and I'm realizing that this is a murder scene. We're dealing with a possession case here. That 15 year old was possessed by a male entity. And so as we're talking, um, I have, what I usually do in these cases is I have a voice recorder. I had a member of the family go with me as I walked through the house, just one member. I tell them to listen, but do not talk. Don't say a word. I don't want to know anything. I don't want to hear anything from that individual yet. And so I went to the house and I went through every room and I went to one room specifically and I walk into a, a uh, closet. I said, whoever this entity is, I said, it's a male entity. He's very violent. Um, he hates women. He hates women. I said, he most likely abused his wife and daughter. I said, and he wants to kill me right now. I said, for whatever reason, he's attracted to this closet. And uh, I looked down and I saw this green milk carton full of uh, model trains. And I said, this entity is attached to these trains. And I said, I don't know if it, they belonged to him in a previous life. I don't know. You know, I don't know, whatever. But it, maybe it reminds him of something in his lifetime. I didn't know. But it's here. He's in this room. He's here. So we turn around, go to another closet where there were fishing poles, same thing. So we go downstairs. I'm in the, the, um, 
the the kitchen, and I'm with the the uh, the the sister of the husband with the individual that almost said it, the individual that contacted me first. And I said, okay. I said, right now, as I'm standing in the kitchen, there was there was a a wooden table, but there was no chair. And I, but in my mind, my gifts kept. I just kept seeing the victim sitting on the chair, listening to music, smoking a cigarette. I saw her, and so I told the sister that and she goes okay which she wasn't that very very close with the family so she didn't know if this was true at all she just but but she heard it and that's all i really needed so finally we get into the living room and um so so tell me about tell me about your wife and he starts talking to me about his wife and he said you know he said my wife's father was a very abusive man he was a, a drug addict and an alcoholic he was a part of a motorcycle gang and uh, he always told her and his wife her mother I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. He said, matter of fact, he would beat her unconscious. And he said, so he said that matter of fact, he said that the night we actually, she actually moved in with him. It was because she, he had pulled up to her house and said, listen, she's all bloodied up. He got her in the car. He said, get everything you own, everything you want. You're not living here anymore. And he took her to his house. That's when they got married and kind of moved on with their relationship. He said, but it's very interesting, Nathan, that you asked that. He said, because Whenever my father-in-law would get into this angry, uh, drunken stupor, he said his wife would take him to Toys R Us, you ready? And buy him model trains. Oh. Mm. He said, matter of fact, yeah, I promise you this happened. The lady actually put it on my Facebook talking about it, like a testimonial. It was, a, it, was a, it changed my life. But uh, he said, whenever he would do this, they would give him model trains. As a matter of fact, when he died, we put all of his stuff in the room upstairs. When he said that, the sister's eyes got big. She goes, oh my God, she goes, I got chills. She goes, well, let me ask you this. She goes, what about those fishing poles? She goes, he was a big bass, he's, he's a, she was a, he was a big bass fisherman. So we stuck all of his stuff in that room. He said, matter of fact, Nate, there is a wooden chair that goes to that wooden table in the kitchen. It's in the garage, you know who made it? He did. So bam, 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 bam. So instantly I knew it that i had narrowed him down and when i when i knew that i could feel him coming out of just it, it felt like heat it was weird it's the hottest heat i've ever felt it was like something supernatural and so what i did is i had everybody close their eyes and i, I work with an angel i don't do it all day i don't do it every day only what's weird it's almost as if whenever these cases come to me it, then it makes itself available so i just did that and i did my cleansing when i got done there was an atheist in the corner of the room He's shaking and he's crying. He's bawling his eyes out. Um, there was a darkness. Um, it's almost like, you know how you have those uh, light flip switches where you just slowly move them up? It's not one of those things like that. You can just slow. It did that. The darkness, you could see it leaving. Hmm. Now, this gets better. Uh, not better. It's pretty good. It, it, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I promise you. Uh, two weeks later, Charlie, the best friend calls me. He actually called the sister because he didn't have my number. Sister called me. said, this guy wants to talk to you. And he wasn't sure if you were willing to talk to him because he originally, he had straight up told me, I don't believe in what you're doing. I don't believe in anything. I don't believe in spirits. I don't even know why you're here. I'm only here to support my best friend. So do what we're going to do. Basically is what he said. After that, he's calling me crying, saying, I called every church in the Dayton area. And I told them what I had experienced. He said, I want to do what you're doing. I don't want to help people, which was, I was 
like tears, right? That's that's yeah. dream come true, dream come true. Okay, two months later, I'm at the same restaurant I got the original message from and at. Same restaurant, same chair, okay? There's a couple that sits next to me and I'm always reading, I'm always reading. Um, it, when I'm alone, if I'm out with people, I won't, obviously. I'm reading, she, okay, there's the husband sitting next to me and she's on the other side of the husband. She leans over, she goes, what are you reading? And I'm reading books about demonology and, and my, you know, ancient Near East stuff. And I explain it to her, you know, what do you do? I explain it to her. She goes, I've heard of you. I said, no, you haven't, whatever. Yeah, I have. She said, and I know everything that you do. She said, matter of fact, you went to a house in Dayton, Ohio, a few months back, and she listed everything that happened. She said, no, I can't tell you why I know that. She said, but I do know that. So finally, about 45 minutes later, she comes out and says, I am the social worker that's working with both of the minors. She said, matter of fact, she said, the night that you did the cleansing, the 13-year-old girl came to us and said, the demon, I'm getting pumped, man. The demon came to her in the cell and said, I can no longer visit you. Crazy. It's gone, gone, man, gone. All right, I don't get worked up. It always makes me emotional because it's like, are you like, it had no authority. Right. No yeah. authority anymore. You invest and, much of yourself. Uh, in this. Of course, you're going to get emotional. Man, man yeah. that was the most powerful. I mean, not just the manifestation of it, but if we look at the aspect of possession, it could not open its own door. It had to have the 13-year-old. But the 13-year-old was not prone to murder, so it had to have the 15-year-old to murder. So it was actually manipulating both sides of them to, so it could have an entrance into the home. But um, that is, by far, that is the most impactful case I've ever had. Holy crap. So hopefully you're going to yeah. write a book about that. <laughs> the, the, oh, yeah, the actual names, street. Names, the names uh, and places, you know. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell you after what the name of the, the street is, because that sounds like something out of a movie, too. But, you know, it blew my mind because I didn't realize that was possible. To have the entity actually come into jail, sell us, and I can't come visit you anymore. We're done. That's right. Get the hell out. Right. Right. Cheers. Right. <laughs> this is why we do what we do. That's why you do what you do. You work on the light. Um, yeah. You know, I was told that by a very good friend. Well, a couple of good friends who have the gift that you know, mm-hmm. people like you and us and, and Shane included. Uh, yeah. Whether Shane has gifts or not, which I don't. The, <laughs> well, but you're working in the light, bro. You know, you're yeah. You're still yeah out you here probably do. You just don't know them yet. Yeah, and and you're 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 working in the light. You're trying to find answers, and you, and if you can help somebody, you'll help somebody. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's working for sure. in the light, and they don't like that. They don't like that. Like I said, I think I've had a few run-ins uh, myself. But this is part of a learning curve, you know, for you. So where do you think, you know, with with all this going on, what have you taken away from a lot of this? What have you learned from a lot of this? Me, um. I learned that there are some really nasty people that, that survive after death. Mm-hmm. Just like that case in the 17th century, his sexual pathology didn't change. In the 16th century, again, the debut phenomenon, we have entities that live and died who were rapists yep. and they still raped. So what we have to do, at least as researchers, mm-hmm. if the dogmatism no longer has anything to offer, the data does, 
and the sad thing is in order for us to understand the data, we have to read all of the dogma too. So we, you know, we have to really just remove all of the other pieces to it. But these cases of possession, number one, we need to realize that memory exists outside of the body. Consciousness is present outside of the body. And there are a lot of times when people will murder that they're, uh, they're actually manifesting someone else's value system, someone else's morality and someone else's memory. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, his favorite movie is The Exorcist. He would go into trances and actually perform necromantic rituals, but he knew nothing about ancient necromancy. So what we're dealing with are forms of not just possession, but the commandeering of consciousness by other entities. And I do believe that in their morality, they believe these people are often sacrifices, no different than 3,000 years ago when we would sacrifice babies, not us, but other people would. Right. And so their, their morality is different than ours, way different. And, and, and I think that's the most troubling part about it. Would you put this on a scale of, you know, which I would think that, I won't say rare, but it's, it's, it's on a, a scale of rarity. It's not with every case, you know, because I God, know no, you're not, not telling everybody. Because I know yeah. some people are just evil, bad people, and that's just right. what they are. There's no, yeah. there's no influence other than they're just they're sick in the head. Because I, I was going to ask you, you know, we yeah. I, I, other people I've interviewed in the past doing the demonology work, that's been kind of a discussion. Sometimes either shied away from they said in certain circles, mm-hmm. because God forbid you'd say, well, you know, some of the people are just mentally ill. It's not, right. you know, all possession. But then I, I asked, you know, one time and said, well, what would you think, what would be a guess, a percentage doing this work that you've done so far? How many people are misdiagnosed that we think, well, they're schizophrenic and, you know, maybe they're mentally ill when actually mm-hmm. there's somebody else pushing the buttons, you know? Exactly right. And I how, do you, pro- and how yeah. do you prove that? You know, how do you prove it? Yeah. Like, well, I think when we're looking, okay, here's how I would prove it. I would look at the ritualistic nature of the possession. So when we're looking at behavioral patterns. I'm looking at behavioral patterns that I know to exist, um, especially with the Molters. The Molters, their behavioral patterns are exactly the same throughout centuries and millennia. It's very the same. You know, here we go. We're going to plant seeds. Someone else's, maybe, maybe from a recently deceased man. We don't know. They've been doing that too. But um, you know, so so that's one way I would look at it. But when we're dealing with uh, the difference between possession and someone who's mentally ill, we need to be looking at ritualistic memories. So if you have one or two cases where they're doing the same thing at the end of a murder, boom, 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 and then they come out of a trance and they don't know what the heck just happened, we would call that possession. But we need to realize, again, it's memory and motion. Someone is stepping into their skin, wearing them, accomplishing what they want to accomplish, and then leaving. Um, and, and how do I know that? It's because we have a lot of serial killers. How about the Zodiac killer? took us 50 years to crack his code just to realize in his mentality, he was killing people to make slaves in the afterlife. Where'd he get that knowledge from? Yeah. Where would he even, where would he even think about that? Why would he even that? think of that? Yeah. yeah. Why would he be thinking that? Yeah. So, That's right. Funny. Yeah. It's, it's a fascinating aspect of my research, but uh, not mine, but you know, the research itself. Uh, so, so let's deal with what, what a real demon would be. I don't think they're horns and hooves at all. Sorry. Not really. Sorry. It's, it's not there. Um, sure, they will play that role because, again, they'll play into any role that we give them to step into it. Um, you know, it's just like somebody saying, well, you don't know, you know, once you know the name of the demon, you have total authority of it. Then why would they give you his real name? Right. If we right. know that, they know that. Right. I mean, you know, it's, a lot of the stuff is, it should be common sense. But if you were, really, want to, really want to talk about what a demon demon is, you're dealing with uh, an entity who would be someone like Arthur Shawcross, 
or um, um, a serial killer who has an IQ of 160. He's calm and collected. He knows how to victimize you. He can read your thoughts. He can manipulate you. My God, guys, uh, Paulino. I don't know if you ever heard of Paulino from uh, uh, New England. I've yeah, he had an entity when he was in uh, a seminary who looked right at him and said, I was there when your father killed himself. Yeah. So we're dealing with entities who have a different morality. They're cold and calculated. They're calm. They're systematic and predatory. And they, they know enough about us to put us in the position of just feeling like no one is on our side. Yeah, hmm. I mean, I'm um, having a brain fart, but uh, the, ah, oh, geez, the gentleman out of Chicago that built the House of Horrors uh, was taking victims from the World's Fair. Um, yeah, yeah, H.H. Um, Holmes. H.H. H. Holmes. I mean, come on, man. I mean, if I was going to say there was ever a case for not just straight yeah. up evil, but some sort of possession, I mean, the, the stuff that he did to people, and right. that's not even touch. They think now that's not even touching the. <laughs> the tip of the iceberg. He may have, yep. you know, murdered thousands. <laughs> you know, yep. we just don't know. Soul yeah. hunters. They're soul hunters. Crazy. Yeah. So, so if we're going to get back into, um, the, okay, let's get back to. Because are we doing two hours or just one hour? Because I don't know if it, you can I don't know where I should. As long okay. As okay. So <clears throat> we were going to discuss at one time what role these giants played in this. Yeah, the giants. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Well. To understand what they were doing and why they were doing it, we we need to go forward actually into the book of Ezekiel chapter thirteen. It's where the narrative of the soul hunter comes from. Yahweh, oh, he weaves a narrative of necromancy, which is what we're experiencing in my mind. He says that those who should die live, and those who should live die. Why? It's what I call the currency of consciousness. Necromancy. The reason these entities live is because other people have died. So in this, he calls them soul hunters. He says, those who hunt the souls of men to make them fly. Now, this is written three, four, five thousand years ago, right? So, so what is the soul that he's referring to? What is that exactly? In order to know that, we have to go into Egyptology, Mesopotamia, and we need to look at the Ba'a soul. The Ba'a soul was depicted as a bird-like spirit that fled the body, flew out of the body at the moment of death. It really originated in what's called the Atrahasis Epic. The Atrahasis Epic, and this is a lot of information, but this gets very interesting, basically describes how the soul of a man is made of the flesh of a god. Hmm. The soul. This is why I believe as the soul hunters, they're pulling souls out of bodies. Because if that book was written today, we would say that's the UFO abduction phenomenon. And if it wasn't for actual experiencers like Betty Luca, like Lisa in the book taken from Dr. Cole, if it wasn't for these experiencers coming out and telling their stories, we would have no context for it. So, so these soul hunters, what they would do is they would they would induce their victims into a sleep state hello ufo abduction then they would separate the soul from the body hello ufo abduction then they would go to the skin and they would cut a piece of the flesh out now in my research i didn't understand what they were doing until i got the, a hold of a book called uh, the red fez 
by James Frazier. He's an anthropologist. This all plays into UFO abduction and possession, everything. So okay. what we're dealing with are souls that need bodies, period. Okay. And and I'm not saying that's the whole of UFO, uh, the UFO abduction thing. I'm saying that these motors, that's the behavioral pattern they're operating in. So James Frazier comes out and says that we're that, that they're in, in antiquity, there was what's called a social skin, the body. And that um, when you would have warriors, which is what the Nephilim were, right? They're warriors, the Gibberim Hebrew. He said whenever, whenever they would be in battle and they were mortally wounded, they would dispossess their own body. That body dies. And they would inhabit the body of another. We call that possession. Okay. Yeah. It's very interesting. So what would be the role of self-replicating through us? It would be to, for the survival of their species. They're necromancers. Yep. Now, we go into Ezekiel 13, Yahweh makes a very interesting remark that your, your scholars of the ancient Near East highlight. He says that you place aprons and pillowcases over the heads of every stature. That's the King James Version. What they believed was that the tallest among them, that's why they created giants, the taller you was very weird. The taller you were, the more gifted you were at soul hunting. Hmm. Very unique. I still have, I haven't done enough research on that because I'm trying to figure out where the hell that comes from. Because that's a very weird, right? Yeah. What's going on here? Let's get back to a ghost. Do you know the earliest depictions of a ghost? Let's go back. Okay. Let's go to, um, let's say, some of the oldest Halloween pictures. What were they doing? Running around with Cutting a yeah, sheets. Pillowcases and sheets. Yeah. Yep. Same concept. Same concept here. But the currency of consciousness cannot be more evident. See, the reason these entities were living is because they were killing. So there was a necromantic species that, that, that's present. That's why when you have the Nephilim, you strip it of all the vowels, because the time that book was written, they didn't, it was, it was Paleo-Hebrew, no vowels. You had the Hebrew word for abortion, not just like, okay, no, uh, uh, a baby that dies is really what it means, dies. Same thing, Say, all seed's mine. Remember what he said, all seed is mine. So, so we're dealing with an apocalyptic of species that, that, that is self-replicating to survive. And I believe that's why they're placing, they're, they're, it's almost like they're tempting. Maybe they're tempting God if you believe him, but, but it's almost as if they believe if we can spawn a child in the womb, we'll see if consciousness enters and then take that consciousness and place into a hybrid. That's where I'm at now. It's a very, uh, I'll shut up, but yeah. yeah no, no, so, no. So here's the question. Yep. So how many of them do you think there is? I mean, obviously I there can't be millions and millions and millions because right. we, we don't see that many cases. We see, you right. know, a few dozen cases in a decade or uh, a dozen cases of, in a decade. Of the missing fetus syndrome? Well, in terms of just possessions okay. and oh, things. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in general, it's not like it's everyday headline news except in a tabloid, you know. Exactly. And that's just from the people that remember. Yeah. So I was just trying to get some feel for, yeah. I mean, are there millions of these or are there just a few hundred think, over the whole earth? We, I, I don't know. I don't know, honestly, because if we, okay, 
first of all, we don't have demons until we have death. We do not have the Nephilim until we have death. Sure, okay. It's possible. I uh, Here's what I think they're doing. I think that they're using possessions in demonology as a test run. Okay. We have consciousness in a new body, and it's, it's learning how to operate, right? And I think that um, it's, it's, it's relearning things that it may have forgotten in terms of the mechanics of it. But, but when we're dealing with these, the UFO abduction phenomenon, here's another aspect of it. We need to realize that it's quite possible that they have created religious figures as roles to step into later on. Okay, that makes sense. Right? Why do I say that? Well, it goes back to um, the, the idea of the, the incubus. It, it, it approaches these women in an image of someone they've either already had intercourse with. You know, like yep. uh, it's easier. And, and so that role that they play, I believe they have actually created religions, spent thousands of years just to come and knock on someone else's door and say, hey, listen, I'm that authoritative authority figure. Okay. Trust me. And, and, and in that trusting, in that belief, there's, there's some kind of license that, that, we, that we have to pay attention to because there seems to be a permissive will in operation. Okay. The first temptation is, do you believe I am who I say I am? Okay, makes sense. And then immediately, yes, I do. So now we've given them that role. Then yes. they step into it to fulfillment, which would be intercourse. So basically, if you deny them at first, they have no power to do anything. And we have proof of that. <clears throat> Watch this. Okay. After Carla Turner, okay, remember how I told you the sexual pathology doesn't change? Sure. The images may change. The apparitions may change. And the doctrine may change, Chris Bledsoe, but it's not the 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 um it's, the pathology is not going to change. So here's what happens: Dr. Carl Turner has an abductee by the name of Ted Rice. Ted Rice is abducted along with his grandmother. He's ten years old. They're in this ship. Here comes a hybrid trying to groom his mother, his grandmother, into intercourse. Okay, maybe it's an incubus. No, she says no. I'm not going to have intercourse with you. And then she begins, she gives him a role, right, guys? Remember what I told you? Uh, they, she gives the entity a role to play, not even realizing it. She says, I've only been intimate with my husband. Ding. Right? Where are we at, guys? Genesis 6, right? Apocryphal mm -hmm. of John. That's what they do. So then from the shadows emerges her husband. She still didn't have intercourse with her. But, but it seems to be a, a, a permissive will present because there's, there's a great Hasidic rabbi out there. He's deceased now, but he made it. He, he's a philosopher. He, he said a sentence one time that absolutely floored me. And uh, forget about the God aspect that he mentions, but just look at the role playing. You know, he said, God speaks a word and steps into it. Okay. That's what they're doing. <clears throat> they're suggesting what role should I play? Yeah, and, and so long then, as you don't go along with it. The, and I, I, yeah, it, it's just it's very complicated, but it seems to be literally that there's a belief mechanism here, and that's what's so troubling about these new abductees because they're being used as prophets. Okay, to propagate the apparition. Sure. Never, you know. So I'll shut up. But it's it's really so, <laughs> it's fascinating. You got to stop so, saying that. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, here. All right. So no. I, I the possibility, I mean, we're, you know, we, you look at the term alien, um, yep. you know, alien doesn't always have to be extraterrestrial. I just saw exactly. folks who are listening 
kind of get that if you some may understand that some don't um you know to me what a lot of this has sounded like over the centuries is parallel beings now we've we've assigned you know the spirituality and this mysticism right. to the these things because we're quoting bible and we're looking at right. even the word demons you know everybody's <laughs> got to remember this is word usage because we had no other way at the time to describe right. These no things that we're, right that we're that we're encountering. So the D word has stuck, uh, but there yeah. were other cultures that used different terms, different words. But mm-hmm. um, I'm a guy, like I said, that listening to you and trying to really and take in all of it because I, I listen to so many different people uh, mm-hmm. who have so many different ideas and, as I said, opinions who work in the same field. I just I my I myself really steer towards parallel. Uh, beings yeah. and beings yeah. that, like you said, there's obviously a reason that they're doing this stuff. Yes. And, uh, you know, what, what would they want, you know, with, uh, creating hybrids with humans? Well, there's certain right. aspects that we have, they may not have. There's, yep. they, I've, you've explored some of those reasons. So I, I kind of get that. I think, you know, um, putting a, a connection with parallel existence in a lot of things that happen out mm-hmm. here in the paranormal needs to be looked at a lot closer you know we we try to separate a lot of these different things but as we're finding as we go further and further into this and there's Mm -hmm. very well names very well known names rather out here in the industry uh i'm not going to name drop because you probably know a lot of them too um they're starting to look at that they're starting to say well they should i I think there's a connection not everything has to be visitors this 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 could even be a, a version of us from the future for all that. Yes. Yeah, right past. And we're calling right. ourselves demons, you know, because if you really want to see demons, folks, look in the mirror. Uh, look what we do to each other as human beings. That's all I'm going to say mm-hmm. on my soapbox. We can either be gods, okay, mm-hmm. in the image of God, where we do the best we can be to each other. We show love and kindness and, you mm-hmm. know, we're all about it. Or you, we, we turn that corner and we're out here murdering each other at rates that, you know, women, children, it just animals. It doesn't right. matter. We're just, we're terrible. I don't know if that makes any sense to everybody, but I, I think there's a connection there too. I think we're connected a little closer to this whole process. Like you're telling. Oh uh, God. Daniel, yes. Daniel, yeah. Then we realize, and I think we should listen. I'm not, some of the stuff sounds far out. I, I get it. What some people are probably thinking on, you know, mm-hmm. listening or on the other end of this. Sure. It That's does. Fun. Sure. It does. Yep. But Man, you got to open your minds up to this stuff. I'm telling you, because I, you know, yeah. you've experienced things. I've experienced things. I can't, I can't, I can't even begin to give people an answer for some of the things I've seen and been through. And I'm sure you feel the same way sometimes. Yep. You built yeah, a fence a, over there, Shane. What are you doing? Oh, the stupid cat. <laughs> it's like, <"Ding!" laughs> oh, that, yeah, that was my wedding ring bump. The, oh, the table. I, thought, I thought like it was a piano or something. I was like, no. yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Give a little background music. Hopefully yeah. everybody everybody was hearing that. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. You're right though, man. You're right. I mean, and I know some of the authors that and researchers that you you know, we both know who they are. The thing is, this the, if in fact they do turn out to be interdimensional, that's one closer to the afterlife. One step, rather, closer sure. to the afterlife. When you have someone who lived a life in a small room and they die and they go into a bigger room, that's what's happened in Genesis 6, and they re- reborn back into this world. We got a problem. But but the, the real scary question here is what are we going to do as a species 
if and when we realize that they're not from you know another planet Right. Because we do have them telling us they are. Yeah. So so yeah. we would yeah, we would we would have to admit the fact that they're dishonest, which anybody who's familiar with UFO abduction literature, Dr. Carla Turner just screamed it from the mountaintops, basically set her hair on fire, telling everybody that listen, they're constant liars, they're deceivers. Uh Genesis and in Ezekiel 13, Yahweh calls them false prophets. And, that, and again, if we look at their pathology, they will prophesy stuff that will not happen. Just yeah, won't. And, and, and yeah. some, of the, some of the things you're throwing out, I've heard some of these, uh, you know, yeah. these authors, guests, and people researching that, you know, on Coast to Coast yeah. with George and, uh, yeah. you know, even in the past with uh, Art when he was still alive. So, you know, this oh, is a thing that people have been looking at for a long time, you know. And mm -hmm. whenever those are on, I listen just like I'm listening to you. I listen very intently. You know, too, I don't, yeah. I don't want to throw out, well, where's your proof? Can you prove this to me? Right. I, I don't want right. to be that guy because I, I really don't, I'm not looking at it from this point of view, you know, from yep. the interview uh, or right. as, or as a layman, um, you're touching on a lot of things that spiritually for me seem to make sense, you know, cause again, just I hope me, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm only, I hope I'm wrong. Well, <laughs> I think that you're touching on some things that seem to be right because yeah. you and you and other even medical, you know, uh, professionals and psychologists too have started to question some things. And and they, you know, there are some good people out there that are looking outside the standard mm -hmm. box. And in order mm -hmm. to do that, you know, they really have to open their minds up to this type of stuff. I was going to ask you too, you know, I know you researching this for years and years and mm -hmm. doing what you're doing at this point uh, that, you know, as well as I do, that there's always a big portion of the psyche uh, that's involved with any of these things that come your oh, way, yeah. just like oh, they yeah. do me. And how do you, how do you discern that uh, in a, in, or separate that rather uh, in, in a way that, you know, when you're getting something that's actual, or somebody's having issues and they're thinking they're having the stuff. How do you, how do you, um, well, that's you a good question that? because yeah, what I'm, yeah, very question. Cause I deal a lot with uh, families like couples um, who are experiencing an incubus and I, you know, I really have to to understand, right. Is this something else going on? Are they just having marital issues and they're blaming yeah. it on, so, you right. know, that lot of stuff. So, yeah, it's a very, very good question. So, um, if it's a woman um, that's coming to me alone, I always get the husband involved. Always. Oh yeah, smart. Yeah, right. I mean, that's yeah, and I and professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's you know. So, so I've had people that have come to me who were disingenuous. I had one individual. It wasn't an incubus case, but the woman wanted me to cast a devil out of her son. And I said, well, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And I said, they're going to be very pointed. I said, but, you know, the early demonologists were physicians, so I'm kind of neutral on everything in terms of, like, you know, you can share things with me that I have to know because I'm not going to go in here blinded. Like, sometimes I want to, but there's some cases where I just want to know more before I, you know. You have to, like, yeah. And uh, she said, so have you ever had a history of suicide in your family because her son was possessed? She said, no. So I'm on the phone with her, and I said, okay. I said, then who am I? This is this is crazy, okay. Uh but I said, I am sitting on your couch right now in your house. And I said, I see a male apparition walking into your room at night. Who is it? I said, because you're lying to me. I promise you this happened. She freaked out. She goes, well, it was my son who was sitting on the couch where you're at. Yeah, I know. Okay, fine. She said, and it was my deceased husband that you saw walking into my room. Don't lie to me. 
You know, you can light up people, but like when I take time out of my night, you're, 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 you know, you're involving yourself with somebody who is here for a reason. This is my calling. It's my life's calling. And I have been given certain things where I can use them and employ to know, right? Just to see if what you're telling me is real. So I said, okay, so that's, that was who was on the couch. She said, yes. She said, that's, that's who you're talking about. My husband, I said, I said, okay, is it David? She said, yes, it is David. And she said he committed suicide. That's when I realized, hmm. Because if, you know, I understand people, you're never going to have somebody who really needs help. Really. Like I'm talking, because I've had these people. Uh, oh my God, I need help. Just, I'll do whatever. You know, I'll pay for gas or whatever. I need help. They're not going to come to you and lie their ass off about everything. Just everything. Right? Oh, you know, oh no, just lie, 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 lie. But believe in this one thing. I said, okay. And I didn't end up helping them because their son wasn't possessed. Actually, he had attached me. You ready for this? It's very interesting. I asked him, I said, I'm going to drive an hour and a half. And I said, I don't mind doing this, right? I, I want to help you. I said, only if you promise me that when I get there, you'll let me. Because it's an hour and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One way. He said, well, I don't know. I said, why? He said, because this spirit tells me things about people that I wouldn't otherwise know. And I said, well, then here's the question. I said, because if I get there and you don't really want help, you can say you want, but inside, if you made a covenant with this entity, I can't do a thing because you've given it authority to be there. So I said, until you're willing to let go of this thing, I can't help you. Sure. You know, but, but it's the, it's the people that try their best to hide things. Um, you know, as, as you know, your earliest demonologists were physicians. Imagine somebody who says, you know, I really have the sickness. Well, what are your symptoms? I have no symptoms. What are you talking about? Right. I get, you. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like, well, hold on a minute. I shouldn't have to tell you what my gift is telling me. Right. Right. Yeah, I can. And I have, but that's whatever. I'll stop ranting. But <laughs> it's like, you know, work with me a little I, bit. I go through you know, the same thing, thing brother. We it's go through crazy. the same thing. I, there's yeah. times I have to try to earn their trust so hard because yeah. I've yeah. got to reassure them. Look, I'm not going to run out and tell everybody your right. business. You've signed mm-hmm. a confidentiality. I, we we right. have them sign when we do private cases, folks. Mm-hmm. SMP has people sign, uh, you know, paperwork, confidentiality, yep. that if we break that, they can sue my ass off. And right. Uh, right. that's expected. Now, mm-hmm. I want to keep their stuff confidential. I've, uh, I've shared some stuff with Shane, um, mm-hmm. and I've talked to lectures about some cases that I obviously don't give out information. I speak in generalisms. Right. Yep. But, yeah, I, I go through the same thing. And then, I, and then when I find out that they've, they, you know, it, during the interview that they've lied to me about some things, I kind of have it, an issue. And I'm not, I'm professional, uh, I'm professional yeah. but I'm very firm. You and got like, it, listen, bro. I, I came here. I took time out of my schedule. You know, yep. like you said, cost you money, most and, likely. Right. And, and folks, if there's any of you operating out here, you're doing a group, you're, you're listening to the podcast right now, stand your ground on that. There's nothing wrong with insisting that people do not waste your time, because if you're right. there to offer real help, then there's somebody else who could have had that help. <sighs> help. You're taking up time with these people. Uh, say and, that a thousand times. Yeah. And, and yeah. there's and, and listen, you know, I, I don't want to become cynical, but I, right. I just want to tell everybody that I shared on a, on a local radio show I was on every year for Halloween that there's most times I come in and I become the, the paranormal social worker. And, yep. you know, because we ended up telling them 
things that they needed to hear, but they were willing to listen to us, not the social workers from downtown. And that's, that's and, very true. And, we, and we've helped. We've helped. But at the same time, I still give them the benefit of the doubt, and I still ask mm-hmm. the standard questions. And that's why I asked you about that, because I'm sure you go through a lot of things, you know, alcohol use, drug abuse, any abuse in yep. the house. How's everybody getting along? I mean, those are just a few of them that we cover. Yep. Yeah, the basics. The and, basics. and yeah, and there's there's individuals, and I, thank God you said that. That you just you just gave some heavy wisdom, man. That's brilliant, beautiful. You're right. I mean, and there's there's you have to look at the intentions too, because I've had people that have actually made covenants. There was one individual that that uh, made a covenant with a Ouija board to a, a demon, Oops. and. Yeah, right. Big oops, man. Big oops. And, you know, she didn't want to tell me about it. They didn't want to tell me about it. So, you know, and until I started picking up on it, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, matter of fact, we were in a session. I said, okay, who's Christopher? I want to know about Christopher. Tell me who Christopher is. What do you mean? I said, I see a second story house. There's a room on the left. You made a covenant with him. Who is he? Oh. And then, so, so it's almost like if you're not going to tell me the truth, I mean, it's like, okay, we're already the foundation's already flawed because you're just going to yeah. lie the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah. but um, that's a part of the work and the calling. It's just something that you have to go through and navigate, but you're right. There are people out there that are hurting that will be honest with you who like, you know, I had a, an incubus case where, like you said, a social worker, you're exactly right. But uh, this incubus case is like, literally you have to put a marriage back together again because you know they haven't been intimate in months and the entity has actually here's interesting another aspect of the incubi they'll often um cause impotence in the male Hmm. for the purpose of trying to pregnant the female right because it's it's easier for them to realize okay now i know who she's pregnant by it's very i mean these guys are rascals but at that time you know once you get that entity out now it's almost like you have to play the marriage class you have to heal the marriage you have to right you have to help them understand what has happened, why it's happened. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of times with the husband, he has depression. He's, uh, he's grieving, you know, he's trying to figure out what the heck happened to his wife. She's trying to figure out what happened to her husband and you have to kind of switch hats. Right. And they'll, you know, it, it's a very unique calling what we, what we all do here. But, um, so, you know, but it has to be done. No, no, uh, we operate, you know, in the, in the same kind of atmosphere there, you know, with the same yeah. kind of thing. And, and again, you know, uh, my heart's been broken a few times, uh, mm-hmm. being in these situations cause the people just, you know, I, I go home thinking, damn, you know, I have nothing to complain about, uh, after going yeah. and, you know, interviewing this family and talking to these people, <laughs> but hopefully my, yeah, I did some good. And the nice yeah. thing is, is that reward, you know, in the end, when you realize they do take your advice and then Gosh. they contact you and I've maintained, yeah, I've maintained friendships with folks and it's, that's the beautiful aspect to this kind of work, folks. It's, oh, yeah. I have had more beautiful experiences. Maybe you have it because of the demonology thing, but I, but still in the long run, I've had more beautiful experiences in the paranormal mm-hmm. thing than I have anything that's been nasty or negative. Yeah. And, and I've, yeah. I've, again, I've yet to be chased out of anywhere. I'm the idiot that runs in the door. Yeah, me too. Because, yeah, because I'm just like. Uh, we, I'm on the other end of that, right? Like you're yeah, like, yeah, we're chasing we'll, in, not running out. We, we'd make, make a great team then because, yeah, you know, right. I have other people in the group like, hey, I, I'm not going in there. And I'm like, this is why we're here. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't <laughs> right. have the gift, so I don't, whatever, I'm going in. Yeah, yeah. Shane's like, you it's know, just a dark room. Yeah. So I have a, yeah, go ahead. Good, I'm sorry. No, I'm listening. So I got a question for Dan Nathaniel. So when we had talked earlier about, you know, whether somebody's possessed or whether they're actually just, you know, mentally challenged in some way or whatever, 
-hmm. So do these entities have any kind of physical effect in our side? Like, do they have an electromagnetic field? Do they have something that an instrument could pick up so you could, you know, get this instrument near a person that was actually demon possessed and have it show up? versus um, somebody that's just schizophrenic and is just crazy. You know, I mean, is there some sensor, some scientific numbers way of yeah. determining anything? Yeah. Usually when I've been in the presence of somebody that's possessed, at least with it's the EMF meter. Okay. Especially when I like, if I, if I want, if I want to call the entity into the room, uh, we've had that happen where literally as soon as I, I, it's almost, I don't know how I do it. Just in that thing will just, I mean, yeah. I'm talking, it's yeah, like, Whoa, it's crazy. I, man. Like, I do a lot of stuff with, you know, instruments yeah. and data and, you know, and I should do some data logging, et cetera. So there's no, you know, human bias in it, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You know, right. it's not just like holding the meter up to somebody, but you know, right. if you had a true possession going on and you had sensitive lab equipment in that room, should it not pick up? It would. Something? It would. Okay. It would. It's no different than going into a haunted house, and okay. you know, not not a possession, but an actual you know haunted house. You'll you'll pick that up. Now, uh, I had an incubus case where the entity was calling the wife. Okay. Like audibly or audibly, like through her phone. Oh, through I understand. Calling phone. like electronically. Okay. So okay. so yeah, this was. Uh, was actually a block from where that murder case happened. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know it was that close till I got them. I'm going, dude, that's the house. Huh. It was really strange. Um, but yeah, she was fixing dinner one time and it had called her phone, answered the phone on her side, right? Where mm -hmm. boop, answer it, yeah. put the phone on speaker and okay. then begin to talk to her. Get over here, come here talk to me that kind oh, okay. of okay so, so I they mean, do have that so so basically yeah. you know chances are high if if you have somebody that exhibits the other symptoms mm -hmm. uh, yes and you get you know disturbances etc you have a much higher chance than if you just have some dude that's telling you yeah i hear things and see things and exactly right now, if okay. you want to know more about that kind of work, there's a, a sure, that... psychologist named Jerry Marzinski. Okay. Um, you guys may be able to have him on a show, your show sometime, but yeah. he, uh, he is a, he is a monster and um, I have so much respect for him, but he had a individual that he was working with who was addicted to cocaine and he was a, an upstanding classy dude who was a business exec and had a beautiful family, good job, well-liked the community. And he just got addicted to cocaine. Next mm -hmm. thing you know, he's hearing voices in his head. He's lost his mind and he's in the middle ward and he's talking to Jerry Marzinski. Finally, Marzinski has dealt with him three or four times. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to pick this guy's brain. You know, I forget what his name is. You know, let's, let's call his name Brian or Jerry. He's like, you know what? Brian is like, look, man, you've been in, in here off and on. And, you know, you'll get clean, you'll go back to your family, you know, you'll heal them and, and get everything back together. You'll get your old job back even. And you're, you're incredible. You know, you're a great dude. You're an awesome guy to hang around. Like, and then you show up here and you're a completely different person. What's going on? He said, well, he said, I hear these voices in my head. And he said, I, 
whenever I get clean, they stop talking to me. But whenever I do cocaine, they come, they, 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 yeah. they really invade my mind. Because I mean, you asked a question, how do we know if it's just voices and everything? This is incredible, yeah. man. Um, he said, so uh, he said the latest event that happened to me, he said is, uh, you know, everything was going good. Had my job back, had my family back, everything. I'm in bed one night. My wife's asleep. My family's tucked in. Doors are locked. Everything's good. He said, he even had to work the next day. Voice tells me to get in my car and go to the, go driving. Hmm, probably not good. No. Then he goes to the stoplight. And voice tells him, tells him go take a ride at the stoplight. He, he tells Jerry Marzinski this. He's like, man, next thing I know, 25 minutes later, I'm in the middle of a cornfield. The entity tells him, go bend down and pick up that black duffel bag. He picks it up. There's a kilo of cocaine there. These entities, right, what were they doing? Get back on this. And then they would step into that as their world now that they existed in his life. So that's that's the difference. It's not just a voice that ha has no belief system. These sure. entities were a life form. All right. That's crazy. <laughs> There's so much to this. And I believe in what you say about the phone call because I had an incident in Howell, Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, at several groups investigating historical buildings. We were getting ready to set up uh, these tours I was going to start doing. In, in, in the town. And I'm there with the limit, uh, the county uh, tourism board director She would come out on a few of these. And she was a believer, you know, a little skeptical at times, but um, not only did my phone ring and we heard strange voices and static on the end, then hers went off a few minutes later. And then one of my team had the same thing happen to them uh, over in their building. Now, you could have put it up to phone towers, whatever, but they were all mm -hmm. so similar. And uh, somebody was trying to say something over the phone mm -hmm. and it was a number that was not recognized. And when we pulled up our record to see the call record, it's not there. Yeah. Was, oh, well, no. there's been phone things for since even landline phones were the only thing <laughs> right. that existed where right. people would get a phone call, you know, from somebody and, they talk to him for a minute and then find out later that that person had been dead for two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that yep. crazy? Bill. yeah. Bill Hall, William Hall from, uh, or my buddy, Bill Hall from, uh, from Allen. Yeah. He has that phone calls from the dead. Um, and what's, you know, what's unique too. I actually got a phone call from my grandmother. Wow. Yeah, this is, this is interesting, man. So my, my very first show I did was coast to coast. The reason, and so, so the reason I'm saying that, I'm not going to say that, but, uh, when I was on coast to coast back then, they said, okay, we want to do a landline. We can't do, cause like I did, did it yeah, yeah, last year. Yeah. yeah. Last year it was cool. They were just like, okay, whatever. Just put your earbuds in on the phone. So yeah. but back then they did a landline. And so my grandmother was like, you know what? Congratulations. You know, you work real hard. I'm going to put a landline in your apartment or your, 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 your house. I said, okay, fine. It's like 20 bucks. And then once, you know, it was month to month. So after we do the show, just cancel that sucker. You know, I'm not going to use it. Well, we never canceled it. We never canceled it. So I ended up doing the show. And then about maybe a year later, six months later, she, uh, she dies. And the night she had died, um, I get a phone call. And on the, my phone, it registers Carol Staten, which is her name. And I'm thinking, why is she, you know, you know, was it, was it her boyfriend that had called me? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know her boyfriend that well. I'm not trying to talk to him right now. You know, like what, what's going on? Like, so I'm looking at it and I sent the voice, but not realizing that the phone that's calling me is in the other room. Oh, Oof. so then it called me three times. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. 
so that so I'm thinking like rationally, I, I swear to you, I thought I don't want to talk to whatever everyone on her boyfriend, whatever. I don't want to talk to him right now. I'm, I'm really devastated. So in my mind, I'm like, you know, that's him. I know who it is, blah, blah, blah. And then I got to thinking, that's not him. This is Carol Staten. So I look at the number, I call it back, and the phone's ringing in there. She called me three separate times. Oh, man. So so that was crazy. I, I still have um, – oh, man. Anyways, but that stuff happens, you know. Okay. I mean, it's not, it's not just a book. I mean, that's legit. So where do you think you're at right now? I mean, what's your, what's your current mode of research? And I mean, where, where are you at this point? I need to study consciousness. Um, I need to understand, understand the role that it plays in the afterlife. Right. Because that's what they're plucking out of people many times. That's number one. Number two, I'm very grieved in my spirit about how that, some of our most famous abductees are coming out with doctrine. Hmm. I know what you're when, saying. With doctrine, because the moment we're having prophets, to be very blunt with you, I'm not going to be you know rude or crude. I'm just going to be no, very say honest. What you, with say you. what you're going to say, Nathaniel. Yeah, do it. It's, open it's one thing to say that we have an apparition. It's one thing to say that we saw something in the abduction. It's one thing to say you know that they're doing the the the, the childbearing fertility things and all that. It's a whole different story when we have an apparition that most people would trust. That's teaching doctrine to the abductee. That's unprecedented in UFO abduction and phenomena. It's unprecedented. Right. Dr. Colin Turner was never told doctrine. They were told things, oh, you know, this is, you know, we're from Pleiades. They yep. were never set down and began, okay, here's one. This is, this is who God is, by the way. The moment I heard that, my mind went back to something. Those who should live die. Those who should die live. It's a currency of consciousness. Now, I know that right now you're trying to think, okay, what, what was that fit? It fits in because the moment they teach about doctrine, they've taken the conversation out of the hands of science and placed it into the hands of a scholar of the ancient Near East. Because when someone says, hey, listen, I'm an authority figure and I'm an apparition. And by the way, I'm in Ra's God. Now, as soon as they say that, they're knocking on the door of theology. Period. You can't argue, right? They've taken the argument, they framed it in a way that we've never heard of in any period of history. They can only be doing that if they're trying to create profits out of some of these experiences oh, yeah, because they have an agenda that's all it shows they have yeah. a, they have a hidden agenda yeah well not what so role hidden, but they have an agenda like what role do you want me to play yeah okay yeah. i'll play that god it's terrifying well yeah, <sighs> they're capable of it too so why, why yeah. shouldn't another entity oh, <laughs> you know you're exactly I mean, right I, it's probably universal uh, thing you know there's there's dark and light good and bad yeah you know, uh, let's just say it. I, I, I think the infallibility of, of that process exists probably with anything that's existing in whatever universe it exists in. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Even when you get the insects. I was trying to put it in, in a capsule. I just saw all I could say. That's all I could say yeah, about it. You're right. The teaching doctrine has transcended any microcosm we know of. Oh, sure. Sure. And it's dangerous. Yeah. I think it's oh, very dangerous. Yeah. Might as well might as well abduct somebody and say, thus saith the Lord, and then put them back in there. And now Oof. what we have are people that are right, you feel me? Yeah. Now what we have right now are people who are preaching the, the, the validity of their experience as if the truth is defined by the apparition. No, you can have the experience, the experience yeah. be real, but the message be a lie. The message I'm, I'm the message is not the miracle. Right. The message is not defined by the miracle. So I don't care how many people took pictures of the apparition, filmed it on their cell phones. I don't care. That can all be true. And what they're telling you is a lie. So what they're doing is tempting us. Oh, I get what you're saying. I'm getting passionate, man. I'm getting passionate. Oh, it's yeah, so- it's no, all no, about. No. You, you keep doing you, man. That's what it's yeah. about. That's yeah. what it's Let's about. Um, tell everybody, uh, I know that you've got uh, two books out, right? A Moment Called Man and The Skin That Crawls? Yes, sir. Uh, Moment Called Man is on Amazon. It's getting good reviews. Um, awesome. And I, I wrote it because I lost a friend to, uh, what was it, um, cocaine? Yeah, cocaine addiction. Uh, he was an empath. And so I wrote this book to help people understand that they don't have to medicate the gift they're called to manifest. Um, my second book is uh, The Skin That Crawls, and it's out for format now. It should have been out already, but they're, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. So as soon as I get that, I'm going to read it, put that baby out on Amazon, um, which I, I, I had to held it back for a little bit because um, I had to add more research to it. And I wanted it to be a complete unit and not just bits and pieces of my work. So um, the, you can pre-order it by going to my Instagram and my bio, just pre-order it there. It's real simple. And I'll give you guys an, an autographed copy, whoever orders that. But those are my two books. Uh, my website's njgillis.com. My social media, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as the Nathaniel J. Gillis. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you a friend request here in a little bit. Definitely, man. I'd yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'd like you to be a friend of the program and uh, sure. personally as well. And, and as I tell everybody, you're welcome to come back anytime. And Because there's more to discuss. We only touched. Right. I still yeah, got yeah. a whole section of things here we didn't get to but that's mm-hmm. how how it runs with the show i mean i'd love to spend seven hours because if you and i were sitting <laughs> one-to-one man yeah I'd, I'd oh yeah it'd be all night <laughs> oh man drinking that, and having a good time you know oh god that's an organic that's an organic friendship right there man that's how it should be i've been on some shows where it was just like i'm stuck in the mud and i can't do anything and, <laughs> I, and I, don't, I don't i don't do those shows anymore <laughs> yeah good 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 I, I no, know that for a fact. No, there's no scripting here and there's no box. You know, I yeah. that's what I told uh, Michelle and that's what I tell the folks that listen. It's like, you know, we keep it. There's some humor and there's some fun. We keep it loose because yep. the best way to share information is talk to like we're sitting with each other at the bar. Uh, right. We share what we want to share, get the message out. But keep doing the work you're doing and getting the message out mm-hmm. and helping folks, Thank man. That's Thank important in, in this. And whether or not, you know, other people believe what you do or Shane does mm-hmm. or I does, it's, it's beside the point. We believe in what we're doing and we know we're doing good. And uh, mm-hmm. that's my message there. So I'd that's love true. to have you back at your convenience. Sure. You have my yep. contact information. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'll make sure that you get it. I'll make sure I send it to you. Okay. And uh, 
we'd love to have you on here. And, and as I, I invite anybody, if you ever want to come on as a co-host with me and Shane or mm-hmm. any of the other guys to do a show, just say, hey, man, I'd love to sit in tonight. What are you guys doing? Um, mm-hmm. We usually do them Monday nights, and I'm happy to have you on board. To Man, I would, I would love that. I'd love that. Maybe one day soon I'll let you know. Uh, yeah, sounds good. I've never hosted a show in my life and you know, people are like, well, you, are you ever going to do a podcast? I'm like, no, I can't, man. And it's a difference. Like I, I have nothing but respect for people that do podcasts. I don't know if I could, you know, it takes too much time and I just, I don't know, but, um, but I would got, love to. You man. got the information and the personality. I think you do it. Yeah. You better well, tell your people it's going to be a seven hour episode. Oh, oh man! Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Shane will tell you I love to talk. I love. You know, you're like, you're like, yeah. we've been going for an hour. Like, yeah, eight and a half. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh God, I got to get the kids off to school. What's happening? Yeah. Um. Well, thanks for being on the SMP Paranormal. Yeah, program thanks. It's been and, great. Thank you. And, uh, thank you. Shane, awesome. thanks. Thanks for being here as well. Hey, no problem. To- I want to remind everybody, well, Shane, tell everybody where they can catch your podcast and what you're doing. Yeah, uh, Studio 6 Paranormal. Uh, you can find it on Facebook. Um, They're doing some pretty good stuff. Uh, we got quite a few different people on, and we got we talked about some data. We talked about, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, yep, Studio here. 6 Paranormal. I'm checking my invite awesome. list to be on that program. I don't quite see. <laughs> yeah, we'll put you on there, Holroyd. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's not necessary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell everybody and Nathaniel, you too, where you can uh, listen to this program once it's done, edited, and put up. Uh, you can come to uh, my network, which is the Michigan69podcast.com. Uh, mm-hmm. That's our network. Uh, we have a player on the front page. All people have to do is scroll past the Henderson Castle and me and Bob and uh, there's a player, and you can pick whatever show you want to listen to that we produce and put up on the network at your leisure. This show will be up there with one of them. This will also be over at Unrestricted Paranormal on RedCircle.com, which is our podcasting host uh, network, if you will. Uh, we also transfer this stuff over to Facebook on Live Radio 1 and several of our, our uh, Facebook pages. We really whore Facebook out. We really do. That's all I'm going to say about Facebook. I still have it because it's a great tool to, to use. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Nothing. I said it. There it is. Um, but you can find us over there. And, of course, Sunday nights, you're going to be able to listen to Nathaniel on this program next Sunday night, okay, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if there's any part of this that you missed or you'd just like to hear all of our beautiful voices again, <laughs> it's on unrestrictedradio.com. Download the app. It is free. And you can listen to metal and rock and punk and it's all there. It's independent bands from across the world, uh, as well as some local stuff. And of course, uh, this program. And then on Saturdays, I would like to invite you folks, as I always do, uh, to come listen to me on the Big Dog Show, which is on at 7 p.m. Uh, on Saturdays. And uh, that's a, a show where uh, Shane knows all about this, where it's okay to be a man and love boobs and beer and women and uh, love <laughs> America and life. And you love everybody for who they are and what they are. We don't like hate on the program. We just talk and have a good time, man. And as always, I talk about the insane train. I know we don't get political on this program, but I tell everybody we're all just sitting in the grass watching it go by and waving at all the insane people in the windows. You know, (laughs) that's all we can do at this point. There's more every day. There's more every day. So you guys need to keep yourselves safe and sound. And uh, 
You know, uh, I want to thank uh, everybody again for being here on the program. And Nathaniel, don't be a stranger. Um, you, I, I am very interested in a lot of things that you have to share and what you have to say. So, uh, yeah, someday might even meet in person. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, you're where you're in Ohio, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's not too far. So you're close. Yeah, we're up here in yeah. four or five hours. I'll just also make make sure to wear my Buckeye gear. You know what I mean? <laughs> Ooh. No, no. Really? I'm think kidding. You, think, think you <laughs> like the guy, right? Then yeah. he's got to throw that at you. Oh, Ooh, my no, goodness. Man. That's hilarious. Not, not only kidding, am man. I a Michigan fan, that's the yeah. colors of my my uh, my family uh, shield is our colors are amazing oh. blue. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> But you yeah. know what? I don't get into it crazy like that. Ohio, go Ohio. Oh, okay. it's, oh. <laughs> He's like, yeah. oh, there he is. Look, Look at him. Yeah. Look at him. That's oh. Yeah, right. Wow. I've wow. had a good time, guys. You all guys right. are a blast, man. So I'm going to get off here and go get all me right. a, uh, I don't know, get something to drink, all right? You guys all have been man. awesome. You guys have a good one. Thank you for Thanks, having me Nathan. on. Have a good one. Uh, See ya. As I say always, folks, <laughs> if you can't be smarter and kinder, just be quieter. Hey, Shane, have a good, have a good uh, week and uh, let's get together for a fire or fishing or something soon. All right, man. Sounds good. All right. You take care where you're at folks. And we will catch you again next time right here on the SMP paranormal show on the one and only unrestricted radio. Mm -hmm.